Hello and welcome to apartment 29A. I'm Shosh. And I'm Megan. And we're two best friends who have a lot to say. This week, we're going to talk about the podcast, Shortwave. And they had their guests were science verses this week. Then we're going to talk about the book, Under the Whispering Door by TJ Clune. And we're going to wrap up with things we can't stop thinking about this week, which for Megan is a new baby gate for her dog, Lacey. <laughs> and for Shosh is Formula One. And while we talk about all of that, we are going to drink peach and rhubarb sweet and sharp tea by the London Tea. What do you think of this tea, Shosh? I like it. I don't know if I get any sharp but it's definitely sweet. I think it's pretty mild and kind of sweet, maybe just the peach more than anything. I do have to say that I might not be fully tasting it because as probably everybody can tell, I have been sick. So I'm still recovering and I I don't know that I have my full tasting ability. (laughs) So, um, but from what I can taste, it is good. It's just kind of a sweet peach, very mild tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think your taste buds are pretty much spot on. Um, it's a hibiscus tea, so maybe that's what they mean by like the sharpness. I don't know. Because uh, there is that like little tang that comes with hibiscus. Um, and then, yeah, it's peach. I don't taste the rhubarb, but I was telling Shosh earlier that I'm not sure that like, even if you gave me a piece of rhubarb pie that was just purely rhubarb, that I would be like, oh, that's rhubarb. I would probably say it was like strawberry or something. I don't know. I feel like rhubarb is always paired with something else. So it's hard to really know. Yeah. It's hard to pull out that like individual flavor, but this is one I will definitely drink again. I enjoy it. Yeah, from what I can tell, I really, I mean, I like it too. I would, I think I would drink it again. Shosh is like, I'm going to try it again when I feel better. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't think I have actually lost my sense of taste. It's just, you know, when you're congested and sick and things, sometimes stuff is a bit muted. So I just don't think I'm fully, fully tasting necessarily. All right. So the podcast is shortwave, which we've talked about before. This is the NPR science podcast. It usually is about 10 to 15 minutes in length, Um, but we're talking about it again because they brought on the team from Science Versus, which is another podcast that we've talked about in the past. It was the episode where we talked about um, what food to (laughs) buy my dog, Lacey. And um, oh, Thanks for the reminder. I didn't yeah. remember that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and Shosh and I have talked many times about our love of crossover, um, either crossover movies, but particularly crossover podcasts. And so I was like, Shosh, crossover podcast. So that's why we're going to talk about that podcast today. Yeah, we it- always love a good crossover for sure. Yeah. And, you know. I love it when, I mean, we've talked about it before. I love it when people or different things like show up in unexpected places and it's just, I don't know, it's really exciting. There's something about that that I just love so much. Yes. And they even joke about a crossover movie, like they're, that they're all um, superheroes on the show, <laughs> which I was like, yes, podcast superheroes. I love it. Me too. And the whole episode is about essentially misinformation. 
which we have talked about a lot. And so everybody knows there's a lot of that around. Yes. Yes. Super interesting. So my little background that I was going to mention with Science Versus is it so Science Versus is a Gimlet media podcast, which this episode of Shortwave taught me is owned by Spotify, which I didn't realize that the whole um, Gimlet media company was actually owned by Spotify um, because there are Gimlet shows that are aired on other platforms, such as like I listen to most of my podcasts through Apple, I think shows you listen which what what um platform do you listen to most of your podcasts through usually through google that's what i figured um so but science versus used to be on apple and then they went to exclusively spotify and i'm pretty lazy so i have not listened to a couple to a lot to the last season of science versus because i don't want to listen to it on spotify i want my podcast where my podcasts are and my music where my music is but then all of a sudden, like two weeks ago, Science Versus popped back up in my feed. And I was like, this is interesting. So I got to listen to two episodes. Of like what's happening? Exactly. Science Versus. And both of those episodes are Science Versus essentially um, having a conversation with Gimlet Media and specifically with Spotify and how uncomfortable they are with the rules that Spotify claims to have but certainly doesn't seem to have any way of enforcing um, mm, or maybe doesn't care to enforce yeah yeah exactly um, and so it's just super super interesting and then this podcast taught me that Spotify or that Science Versus is only doing episodes that are about misinformation until Spotify clarifies and starts actually <laughs> doing its job, which I thought was really interesting in terms of moderation. Super interesting. Yeah. It might be worth noting also, because I'm not sure which episode it was, but we definitely talked about the sort of Joe Rogan misinformation stuff that came out at some point. And this all started, I guess, in response to Joe Rogan's episode where he had on a doctor and basically it was full of COVID misinformation. And a lot of people sort of freaked out because Joe Rogan has, I don't even remember, I'm pretty sure we said it on the previous episode, but I think it's like 3 million listeners or something ridiculous every single time he puts out a podcast. And once this episode came out, they looked at it and they sort of said, we have to respond. And under their understanding of Spotify's rules, that episode is breaking their rules about misinformation around things like COVID. And yet they're not taking down the episode. Joe Rogan himself took down some of the ones where he used you know, like racial slurs and things like that. But apparently that was his choice, not Spotify, which I actually didn't realize that either. I just knew the episodes had come down and kind of assumed Spotify had facilitated that. But I guess Joe Rogan has decided not to take this one down and Spotify has not enforced its rules. Yeah, because Joe Rogan's stance when it comes to the COVID misinformation is that he's not the one providing it. He's providing the platform essentially. And he does argue occasionally with uh, his 
guests. So for him, he's like, no, I mean, I gave him a platform to speak, but I didn't just give him carte blanche. Like there's places where I push back. So he's left that episode up. But then the racial slurs, Joe Rogan has set out an apology and you can find it and decide if you um, want to believe it or not. But as part of that apology, he pulled those 70 episodes. So, and hopefully he will not be using racial slurs in the future. I'm obviously glad that he issued an apology and pulled those episodes down, but I do kind of wonder how genuine it is when it wasn't like one or two episodes mixed in. 70 episodes is a lot of episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of time to be ignorant about something that was pretty culturally on like someone in his role should like should have been should aware know of what was and is not like politically correct but he also doesn't care about what's politically correct so i know but <sighs> 70 episodes like has nobody from spotify or i don't know anywhere that would have contact with him listened to any of the episodes to know that 70 of them were that off base I mean that's a lot of episodes I don't Mm -hmm. know I've just it's crazy yeah it is a lot of episodes well they were saying they had looked into it and I I think did they say they talked to a lawyer I think they reviewed it and they were saying a lawyer or a physician but yeah maybe both but either yeah yeah I'm not sure but they, they talked to somebody who they felt could issue them an opinion on whether or not it would break the rules that Spotify set out and they said that they thought that it did and if you argued that it didn't it was at least very very close to the line Mm -hmm. so close that probably you should err on the side of caution and pull it down yeah so science versus they were talking about how many people they have fact checking their episodes and how many citations they have per episode and all of these things and so basically they were saying like it's just not good enough for them And so the only episodes they'll put out will be these ones about misinformation until basically it's resolved, which good for them because it's sort of hard to stand up to a big company like Mm -hmm. Spotify and also basically put your job on the line. Yep. I mean, I think it's obviously a fight worth fighting for, but I'm just amazed at, you know, how brave and strong some people are to do those things like Mm -hmm. you see it all the time and I'm always I mean surprised in a good way but it's just you know it's not easy to make those decisions Mm -hmm. agreed agreed they also did talk at the end of the episode about what they have learned helps against misinformation and it is simple things like just labeling something as false prevents it from being spread as much on other platforms like Twitter and Facebook. Uh, And so, you know, there are suggestions that Science Versus is making to their boss to say, just, you don't have to take it down, but flag it as false. And that way, you know, people can know that, you know, Joe Rogan is right when he starts to question what, why the doctor on his show is saying the things that he's saying. (laughs) Like Joe Rogan doesn't go far enough, but at least if you write some of this information as false, you actually support Joe Rogan when he says, are you sure? (laughs) Thing is, is like, I understand that labeling helps and that those things should be done, 
but I also think in some ways it just allows you to get away with things that you know are wrong I just I don't see how I just don't see how in some of these cases you can make an argument that just because it's labeled as false that it's not still harmful and like if you know that and you know how many people it's going to reach like again labeling it is better than nothing but it's just so frustrating because it feels like it's just like kind of the easy way out Mm -hmm. yeah I agree but I think also when if the issue that you're trying to address is the reach what the science has shown is that by labeling it as false, the reach is dramatically decreased. And so True. it depends on what aspect of it you're trying to um, address. So if reaching is the address, then labeling really works. If you're just trying to get people not to read the false information, then you got to take it down. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but oh, yeah, no, me it's, neither. it's frustrating because they also discussed a lot about the fact that one of the things that happened in this interview, but that they see a lot with misinformation is that they just cherry pick the information. So it's like they'll pick stuff that has a kernel of truth to it and they will hang on to the one part that supports whatever argument that they're trying to make but then they'll ignore the whole rest of the thing. So for example, in this, they were talking about one study that came out that showed that some young, some boys were having heart inflammation. So this doctor on the show, and I mean, I've seen it a lot of places, have picked up on this to say that COVID vaccines are bad because it's causing heart inflammation, which is really dangerous. And while obviously nobody likes heart inflammation, the whole rest of the paper said it was very mild. There weren't any strong effects from it, but we did just see this little, like this, you know, we did see that in some patients there was some mild inflammation, but nothing bad happened. But they don't, they just ignore everything else and only focus on the fact that there was some heart inflammation and then they make it into a big deal and say the vaccine is really bad nobody should have it yeah but they ignore the rest of the paper and also the fact that you can have worse heart effects from actually having covid right well and it's so frustrating because it's not even like they found a study that showed that it's that they found a study that showed that that literally said but we're but this is okay like this isn't something to worry about so it's like the worst part of cherry picking. Cause like, if you had just found a study that was like, oh my gosh, this is really scary. You could at least point to something that says, hey, there's some doctors out there who are nervous about this. But instead you take a paper where the, the physician's actually saying, yes, this has happened, but this is something that we can cure or take care of and watch for, and we should still get the vaccine. So you like not only cherry pick, but you, take someone's words, take the author's words, and then use them to argue against the same author. And you're like, ah, that's so not cool. As the author of that article, you, that would be so frustrating because you would literally be screaming, that is not what I said. That is not what I said. And we do this as humans naturally. It's called confirmation bias. We look for the things that confirm our beliefs And we ignore all the statements that would make us question or have to change our beliefs. 
So we know we do this. And for that reason, we have to be careful for it. Like when we catch ourselves doing it, we have to say, oh, yeah, all right. That would be nice. Like it would be really nice to have my confirmation, but this isn't actually that. Yeah. I just think a lot of people don't even know what that is or know to look for it. Mm-hmm. So they probably don't even know that they're doing it. I know. Please take my psychology 142 or 101 classes. <laughs> <laughs> people talk about confirmation bias. The end of the podcast, though, is really sweet because they pulled uh, one of the producers of Science Versus and we're interviewing her and just asked, like, you know, how do you feel having really come out against your own employers and she was like it just really feels like the work we do matters yeah that was good I appreciated too that she said something that um she was basically saying that while they haven't resolved anything she didn't really seem like she could talk about it much she just said that she thought it was important that they were at least having the conversations and the dialogue so I think that's good as well Mm -hmm. I mean Spotify is so gigantic I imagine if they wanted to, they could just cancel their podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would hope that something like Crooked Media would pick them up or something. But, like, you know, I honestly had that thought. Like, I kind of wondered, will they just move to another platform? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know what their contract is. Because that's why I was so fascinated when they came back. There was all of a sudden two episodes on Apple. I was like, what's going on? I thought you had signed essentially an exclusivity contract with Spotify. Cause I, at that point, I just didn't even realize that Gimlet Media owned Spotify. No, Spotify owned Gimlet Media. Yeah. I wonder why those episodes popped up off of Spotify. Like, I wonder if it's, they just said, we're not honoring that portion while we figure this out, or if it has to do with the fact that they're critiquing stuff about and on Spotify. I, I'm not really sure. Cause I don't know. I mean, I presumably Spotify is still carrying them. I would think, but. So maybe they're no longer exclusive or they're not going to be exclusive to Spotify while they go through these negotiations. Yeah. Cause I just looked it up and there's not many episodes. There's just the couple I think they've put out about the misinformation and then a trailer and then a new episode. Yeah, the one on trans kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The misinformation battle. So I guess they're sticking yeah. with the misinformation, at least for now. But yep. good for them also for making that decision and sticking with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I would love to know like what their contract is and if they're like in breach of that contract or exactly how that and if they are what does that mean yeah or if it's one of those like yeah we might be in breach of contract but we really believe that you are also in breach of contract because as spotify the company you you have these rules that you're not enforcing so if you're not going to enforce your rules over there how can you enforce the rules over here Well, I mean, they kind of have a point if they feel like Spotify has breached their contract, Mm -hmm. then they would therefore, you know what I mean, see it as, I don't want to say like null and void, because obviously they probably still want to have a podcast, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah. Hmm. And I'm not a lawyer, There's so still... I feel like I'm using words that like maybe I shouldn't be using, but <laughs> they're still on Spotify too. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Like, Interesting. So maybe they've either just amended their contracts because they felt like they can't only be on Spotify when they're basically in a fight with Spotify, or like we said, maybe they've made some kind of I don't know <laughs> jump from mm-hmm. you haven't held up your end so we're not holding up our end I don't really know yeah yeah I'm, I'm fascinated I'd like to know how many listeners they have like how many people follow them I wonder I don't know if there's a way to like know that oh yeah I don't know they have 4.4 stars and 9.7 reviews but 9.7 reviews well, 9.7 thousand. Oh, I was going to say, that's Sorry. not very many. Sorry, <laughs> so like, 9.7K. I was like, surely it must be more than that. I was just wondering, like, I mean, clearly, like, Joe Rogan would have more followers than Science Versus, but I just wondered, you know what I mean? How how big of an audience do they actually have? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, let's take them over to Crooked Media. That yeah. sounds like a brilliant idea. I'm, I'm always down. They need a science podcast. Well, they kind of have America Dissected. (laughs) Yeah, they totally do. (laughs) But that's more like health science. That's true. We need like just science. Yeah. Yeah. Totally down. All right. Should we talk about their book? Yeah. All right. So our next book is Under the Whispering Door by TJ Klune. I'll go ahead and read the Goodreads description. When a reaper comes to collect Wallace Price from his own funeral, Wallace suspects he might really be dead. Instead of leading him directly to the afterlife, the reaper takes him to a small village. On the outskirts, off the path, through the woods, tucked between mountains, is a particular tea shop run by a man named Hugo. Hugo is the tea shop's owner to locals and the ferryman to souls who need to cross over. But Wallace isn't ready to abandon the life he barely lived. With Hugo's help, he finally starts to learn about all the things he missed in life. When the manager, a curious and powerful being, arrives at the tea shop and gives Wallace one week to cross over, Wallace sets about living a lifetime in seven days. What did you think about Under the Whispering Door? I loved it. I I think this description is really, it's good and strange because it's like this focus <laughs> of seven days, which I didn't really feel in the book was that big a piece. It was there. Yeah, it was there, but. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so this was definitely a five-star book for me. I loved it. Everyone should read it. TJ Klune is the best. <laughs> it was a five-star book for me as well. And on Goodreads, it has a 4.23 rating with over 57,000 ratings. So I think that kind of tells you it's a pretty good mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Um, I thought that it was really interesting listening to the description because I honestly don't think I ever read it. For anyone who's been listening to this, one of our favorite books from last year was House in the Cerulean Sea which was also by TJ Klune. So this was, you know, the next book that he put out. So I was just excited to read it because I had loved that other book so much. And I honestly was really surprised when we started reading it 
because while I'm not sure what I was expecting, I was really confused sort of when we started reading it because I was like, what is this book about? <laughs> and I was- um, She really was. <laughs> I was, and I was like, man, I think it's just because I had no idea what it was about. I was just excited to read it. So I just started reading it. And then I was like, you know, I mean, it tells you right there in the description, she shows up to take him from his funeral. And I was like, what, what is happening in this book? But obviously, I mean, it doesn't take you that long to get into it. I just wasn't quite prepared for it, I think. But I really liked it. And one of my absolute favorite things was the tea shop because obviously we love tea we're talking about tea all the time and like we that, definitely just little... influenced tj clune yeah it was I mean, definitely obviously. us right <laughs> but but just having that little bit about always like making a cup of tea and different things i just thought i i don't know it just made it that much more special and i mean i know that's silly because it was kind of such a you know what i mean like i don't want to say unimportant part because it is part of the story but it just for me like just added that little extra thing and I just really loved it and um I pulled out a couple quotes as we were reading it which I don't always do just because I really liked some of the parts and one of them was a quote about the tea so one of my favorite quotes was the first time you share tea you are a stranger the second time you share tea you are an honored guest the third time you share tea you become family I just loved that so much. Mm -hmm. I like need that on a pillow or something. Exactly. So Shosh and I are beyond family because we've shared tea far more than three times. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 55 times that we've counted. <laughs> yes, that we've counted. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm trying to figure out a way. So a way to describe the the book in terms of like the characters and like TJ Klune just has this beautiful way of creating universes or worlds like I want to live in and it's not because bad things don't happen obviously like this whole story is about a guy who died so it's not like a, it doesn't start as an upper by any means um and like in previous books, you know, he's talked about very serious topics. And this is also a book that deals with very serious topics, the ways in which people die, why people die, un, um, like unrest that can occur after death. Uh, but I still want to live in this universe. I still want, I want things like this to happen. I want to meet these people. Um, yeah, I just, he just, TJ Klune has this way of creating a world that I'm like, I want to live there. That seems nice. Yeah, because even though it has all of those like harder parts or dark parts, it also has all of the opposites. You know, it has great relationships and a lot of his humor, I feel like is a bit dark sometimes, but you know, <laughs> it, it, he does have like sort of like humorous parts to his stories. Mm -hmm. And I think because it's not all just you know sunshine and rainbows it makes it feel more real which means you can connect with it a bit more and he does do a great job of creating characters mm -hmm. I mean the characters in House in the Cerulean Sea are probably some of my favorite of like any books and they you know what I mean will probably always be some of my favorites so 
I think I would still probably prefer that book a little bit, but this book also has really great characters and it's for like some of the same reasons, like not that the characters are the same, but it's just the way that he creates them and tells the story and the growth of the characters. It's just like always, I don't know. It's like really, it's just really good. It's really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the growth is interesting in this one because you, you start out with Wallace Price. He's just died, but you learn before he died that he's maybe not going to be your favorite person. Like, he's just not the nicest. He's not in necessarily, like, mean per se, but he just has, like, no emotional awareness at all. You're like, oh, oh, Wallace, no, no, why would you say Wallace? Oh, and then he dies, and you're like, that might be okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, but you're continuing to follow the story of Wallace. So you're pretty sure that Wallace is going to be your main character. He's going to grow in some way, shape or form. <laughs> but like, even though you know that that's what's going to happen, it's not a spoiler. It's like following the process is so much fun. And and there are surprises and twists along the way where you're like, oh, that's not necessarily what I thought was going to happen. And, and they then, drink tea while it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love all the tea. And there's also an older man and his dog that play a role in the lives of Wallace and Hugo. And they're just so much fun so much fun like they're the that's where the comedy is with uh, the grandfather oh my gosh yeah that's what I mean the characters are just so good and there mm -hmm. is even though it's you know it is kind of a tougher subject but you do have those humorous bits and stuff and it just I don't know helps I don't know helps to digest mm -hmm. issues that otherwise might be really hard to tackle for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think another thing that TJ Klum does really well is he writes relationships really well. So they feel real. They feel, they feel like the, the conflicts are earned. So it's not one of those, like there's so many books where it's like the conflict could easily be fixed if they would just talk to one another. <laughs> And while there might be some of that in Kate, in some of TJ Klune's books, you're like, come on, just speak up. Just, just, just say, just say how you feel. Just say it out loud. But it feels earned. It feels like there's real. Yeah. It feels real. And so it really gives you something to like fight for when you're reading. Well, and he's so good at writing the characters, you get attached to them and you really feel for them, which mm -hmm. isn't always the case. Like even when you sometimes like characters in other books, you don't necessarily, I don't know, always really get invested in them. It's mm -hmm. like you might like them or not, or, you know, want things to work out. But I just feel like the way that he writes his characters and they all interact and everything that you like really end up being attached to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're like, extra invested in what's happening yeah yeah and he does a good job of um like filling out even the side characters this is another one that I listened to so when I was trying to remember the names of the characters and like looking them up on um google I was like oh that's how you spell may all right <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I listened to this one also, actually. I read House in the Cerulean Sea, but I think I'd like to maybe go back and listen to that at some point. That would be really interesting now that I'm thinking about it just at this moment to see how the narrator does like all the character voices and things. Yeah, I was just thinking about that also. I was like, it might be time to reread and it would be fun to listen to House in the Cerulean Sea. So obviously Shosh and I both suggest that you go ahead and pick this book up. Any last thoughts about Under the Whispering Door? My review is it was a beautiful story of second chances. So mm. yeah, it's nice. All right. Do you want to tell us about getting a baby gate for Lacey? Sure. So we have one baby gate for Lacey that we put on at the top of the stairs in our back deck. And we do that because um, unfortunately, Lacey thinks that gross things are edible. And so if we let her into our backyard, she will just eat whatever she finds in the backyard. And since we have cats and raccoons and all sorts of things that she should not be eating, the leftovers from from them, um, we have decided she cannot spend any un supervised time in our backyard so but she gets Sounds to stay reasonable the, yeah so she gets to be on the deck when pretty much whenever she wants and she loves to sunbathe so she wants to be on the deck all the time and so the problem of course is that there are times of day where there is no sun on the back deck and she essentially she does this thing it's really we, we let her out because she points the back door and we're like, babe, it, there's just, it's not going to be what you want. She goes outside and she like walks the deck just like once. And then she comes back in and stares at you. Like, how dare you not make the sunshine? And I'm like, mm. babe, I don't have control over that. <laughs> so we want to get a, uh, some sort of baby gate for our front porch, which is much smaller. Um, but we, it gets in the morning. That's where all the sun is shining because of the way the the direction in which our house faces so we think she would really enjoy being able to lay out on our front porch our front i mean it's only four foot by four feet but you know our front little area <laughs> uh so she's didn't... a small dog so she can fit there for sure oh yeah 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 no it's perfect for her uh, but i want to try and get one that like really allows her to see so maybe it's like mesh or um and then one that's very easy to move because i don't want it to prevent like our the wonderful people that drop off our packages whether they're the usps ups amazon etc we're very thankful for all of those people we want to make sure they can easily still access our door and drop off our packages <laughs> well plus if it's too hard to move then you're not going to ever want to set it up right so then that means either you're not going to set it up and not use it or you're going to leave it set up and then it's going to be annoying because you're going to constantly try to go over it and stuff yeah so we've found some mesh ones that like essentially just like you can just hang them up on hooks and then obviously you just easily take one side down and then easily take the whole thing off. She's not, she doesn't really push the boundaries. So I don't think that would really matter, but I want to make sure she can't get like underneath it because while she doesn't try to push the boundaries, I can see her getting her little nose underneath the mesh and then realizing, ooh, I could get underneath here and go and say hi to our neighbors who she really loves <laughs> or um, 
again, uh, there's a black cat that hangs out in our front yard a lot. And she's very aware of this black cat. And she wants to make sure that I am very aware of this black cat. <laughs> You're like, thank you, Lacey. Yes, I see this black cat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know this black cat? Is this like a... It is a neighbor's, neighbor's cat. cat. It has a red collar. When it first, when the cat first came, it was just a black cat, like no collar, no nothing. We were just kind of like, well, hi, where did you come from? Um, but he's, he's, I wouldn't say standoffish, but he doesn't come to say hi either. Uh, so he's not scared of people, but he doesn't come right up to people. Um, which is funny because he's also not scared of Lacey, but also isn't going to come up to Lacey, which is which is good because I don't know what Lacey would do. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but then like a week later, he got a collar. So we're pretty sure it's uh, our neighbor's cats from across the street. Mm. But we don't know his name yet or her name. The black cat's name. We don't know. <laughs> for now it is the black cat mm -hmm. or like our neighbor started calling him merlin or merla if it was a boy or a girl <laughs> everyone in the neighborhood will just have a different name for it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so that's our, our baby gate not well, dilemma that... but decision to be made will be nice for Lacey if you can get that figured out. I'm sure she will like to be in the sun. Well, Shosh, tell us about Formula One. I'm super excited and obviously can't stop thinking about Formula One for two reasons. One is the newest season of Netflix's Drive to Survive is out, which is the show Netflix has done um, about the previous season. And Obviously, because I watched the season, I technically know what happens, but I really, really, really like the show because it shows you more behind the scenes stuff that you don't always see when you're just watching the regular race stuff. And also Netflix's footage of everything is just so good. You know, when you watch the races or the interviews, it's not really like the film quality is not really that great, but the Netflix quality is really really good so it's really nice and fun to sort of see that and then also this weekend is the first race of the new season so of the 2022 f1 season and so the first race is on sunday so because i've been sick i haven't actually been paying that much attention but they've been doing all kinds of testing on the cars which there's a brand new car design this year and I'm excited about it just because it looks cool but <laughs> some of my friends actually know about the changes and all of the you know sort of mechanical differences and things I don't really know and I don't really care I just think they look cool um, but I'm excited because they all have you know new designs and um new it's called a livery I have no idea where that came from I think it is the worst word ever but like you know the colors and designs on the cars you know is obviously new for the new season and they all have different uniforms and different helmets and I know that's all silly but it's just kind of fun because it's all new and I'm excited to see what's going to happen uh last season ended very controversially, which yes. you may remember from mm -hmm. previous discussions. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens this year, especially because until they start racing, we won't actually know 
whose cars are going to be really good with all the new changes because it's like I said everyone has a brand new design so it's very exciting so very much drama to come right so much drama well and like teams have changed and things also so it's just yeah so much drama <laughs> so I don't watch Formula One but I'm very fascinated for Shosh. And if you do watch Formula One, you should definitely reach out and let us know. Let us know who your team yeah, is. Who's your team? Yeah, who's your team? Who's your favorite driver? Let yeah. me know. And then you can have need a to little, know these things. little race. Yeah. <laughs> um, it better not be Max Verstappen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, just kidding. You can obviously like whoever you want. <laughs> exactly as long so. as it's not max but i mean you know that's okay too <laughs> so let us know by reaching out to us at apt29a at gmail.com or on instagram at apartment 29a dm us send us a message on one of our posts that we're getting slightly better at doing on a daily basis I feel like I owe everybody apology again. We had kind of gotten off track, started to get on track, and then I got sick and I have been zero help. So uh, some of that falls on me and I'm really sorry, but I'm getting better. So hopefully I can help in that department a little bit more soon. Yes, because we all know that I am almost no help. <laughs> <laughs> Healthy, well, unhealthy, still awful with the instagrams we'll get there we'll get there yep all right everyone well thank you so much thanks for listening and sorry again for the sick voice <laughs> have a great week everyone bye, bye.